You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Eleven. So, you just killed him? Mercedes said. She was sitting in her office chair, her computer and cell phone forgotten as she listened to Jim's tale. I had to. What kind of prison would you trust to hold a guy like that? Besides, if he had been booked, there would have been amazingly difficult explanations to make. Convergence Club for one, me for another. I thought the police knew about you. The police think they know about me. Roger knows more than most, but as far as the captain is concerned, I'm just a weird psychic detective who's been right a few times. I needed to be sure Michael would never cause problems again. It was the only way out. Jim took a sip of his cup of coffee. Don't you feel, I don't know, guilty? Sure I do. But like I said, there was no other choice. How can you be sure, though, that you killed him? I mean, if he is immortal, just like you. Immortal doesn't mean indestructible. It means we can stand a lot of punishment and pain because we heal. But there are some things that are hard to heal from. One of those is having your head and body severed from each other. But just to be on the safe side, Bob called in a favor and we took a page out of the way the mob handled things in Chicago back in the day. Michael is right now resting encased in cement two different places in the bay, under 300 feet of water. Mercedes shuddered. It seems so cold is all. Couldn't you have, I don't know, converted him to your way of thinking? This is a guy who pulled the lungs out of a little girl. No, Mercedes, I couldn't. Some people are beyond redemption. Mercedes gripped the small silver cross she wore around her neck. I don't believe so, Jim. Well, then, next time you find yourself in a fight with a crazy immortal with a sword, you can decide what to do. What happened to the sword? Jim stepped into his office and came back with the sword in his hand. I took it home. It seems sort of fitting. Bob wasn't going to mount it over the bar or anything. He's going to have enough to do fixing the place up again and getting the customers to come back. Is it... is it special? Like magic? Mercedes touched the handle, letting her fingers trace it. I have no idea. I don't even know where the hell he got it. I looked up some images of Michael, and it sure doesn't look like the sword he's traditionally pictured with. It looks more like a katana or something. Maybe he made it himself. He did make the nails, right? Maybe. But those were made really badly and roughly. The sword is beautifully crafted. Of course, if he was an immortal, he had plenty of time to learn metalwork and could have made the nails look crude on purpose to keep the crucifixion theme. Whatever the story is. It feels pretty good in my hand, so I think I'll keep it as a souvenir. Jim twirled the sword around before he put it down on the desk. Do you think... 
Mercedes said, and then paused. She looked up at Jim. Do you think there's more, like him and you out there? I don't know. Jim shook his head. I didn't think so before. But if we're two, then why not three or four? How many angels were there? Lots, but I really don't think I'm an angel, Mercedes. I've done far too much to disqualify me in that category. Being an angel isn't what a person does, Jim. It's what a person is. You've saved a lot of people in your time, me included. So maybe... Oh, stop it. I mean it. Get me the files in the Kennedy family instead. I have an appointment there tomorrow morning. Mercedes nodded. Okay, sure. I'll print it out for you. Thanks. Jim returned to his office and sat down in his chair. His eyes caught a movement in the corner of the room, and he smiled. There was a spirit sitting there, a young man wearing a blazer and slacks. He looked at Jim, nodding at him. As he watched, more appeared. A little boy, a young woman, holding the hand of a girl. Finally, Anderson Kramer seemed to step out of the air and stood in front of the desk. His face was one big smile. So, I take it I'm forgiven? Jim asked. That's right, man. The spirit community has decided you have been cleared of suspicion and has decided to return to you again. I'm so touched. I was actually enjoying the peace and quiet. Anderson grinned. You can't fool me, Jim. You like having us here. Not less important, we like having you here, too. Anderson, how did the spirit of Mary Louise disappear? How did Michael do that? Oh, that... Anderson gestured as if it didn't matter. She, um... We made... A mistake? Jim sat up in his chair. A mistake? The spirit community of San Francisco made a mistake? Yes, well... Turns out the girl had just gone to a hiding place she had had when she was alive, under a stairway in the building she lived in. Once we found her, I helped her move on. So what you blamed me for? Yeah. We're sorry, man. Hardly. Fine. Just remember that the next time I ask you guys for a favor. Anderson grinned. Favors? It's always favors with you, man. We'll be here for you. What more do you want? A little respect would be nice. Anderson shook his head and raised his hand. Later, man. He faded away. Jim leaned back in his chair and looked out the window, lighting a cigarette. He thought about fallen angels, about the will of a god he no longer believed in and who he didn't want to owe anything. A god who if he truly was responsible for his eternal life, had given him the cruelest fate ever. Letting Ginger pass on, and not him, separating them forever. If that was what a god could do, he would have no part of it. He blew smoke out of his nose, making him momentarily look like a dragon. Could Michael have been right? Had he taken the wrong side? 
He turned his eyes towards Mercedes in the front office. She was working the printer, singing along with music from her phone, and doing a small dance while the pages fell into the basket. If being on the wrong side meant not saving her, I would choose her over God's will any day of the week, he thought. Twice on Sundays. When Mercedes brought in the file a few minutes later, he put out a cigarette and bent over the pages, preparing for the next day's work. <laughs>